Do you have an idea for a podcast, but you don't know where to start? Maybe you're overwhelmed by all the tech or you're convinced nobody will actually listen to you. Well, I'm Shauna Game. After nine and a half years as a professional podcaster, at this show, everyone's talking money. And 25 million downloads later, let me tell you the secret to a profitable podcast. It is building a solid foundation, your podcast roadmap before you launch. That's why I created the Podcaster Class, a fast-paced group cohort podcasting for profit eight-week style NBA program. The Podcaster Class is immersive, comprehensive, and insanely motivational. If you want to create a podcast, DIYing a launch is just not the way to go. In the Podcaster Class, you'll get the tools, tips, and strategies to create a podcast that resonates with listeners and one you can be proud of. Get this. 90% of podcasters never make it to episode three. That's 2.8 million podcasters who just quit. So to be a top podcaster, you only need to publish 21 episodes, but you got to make them good. So in the podcaster class, I'm taking the mystery out of how to create, launch, and profit from your podcast so you can create a top 1% podcast just like this one. The May cohort is now open for enrollment. Classes start May 22nd. There are only 15 spots open. You are going to learn podcasting with me and 14 other amazing people. You can learn all the details at thepodcasterclass.com. Use code podcast when you sign up for $100 off. That's thepodcasterclass.com. You know, I'm a big fan of enjoying life while still being smart financially. That's why I love ButcherBox. I can get a variety of high quality meat, seafood, chicken, and pork at an amazing value all with exclusive member deals delivered to my door with free shipping always. One thing I just never wanted to cut out of my spending plan is eating good food. And with ButcherBox, I don't have to, and neither do you. Where else can you get free protein for a whole year? Yes, you heard that right. One of my favorite go-to dinners is a salmon bowl. I'm not even a huge salmon lover, but ButcherBox's wild-caught salmon is Oh, so good. I make a nice little marinade, saute some veggies, cook the salmon, and throw in some weiss. And it is an amazing dinner. If you want to take less trips to the grocery store and always have prepared meat in the freezer for a lot less money, you need ButcherBox in your life. Sign up at butcherbox.com etm and get our special deal. ButcherBox is offering our listeners a free for a year offer plus an additional $20 off. You can choose salmon, chicken breast, or steak tips free in every order for a year. Sign up today at butcherbox.com slash etm. Yeah, so I really like cashback credit cards because, you know, travel, the credit card aficionados like travel credit cards, but they travel a lot. They're a lot more complicated. If you want the absolute best rewards, you maybe go with a travel credit card, but cash credit card is so much simpler. Welcome to Everyone's Talking Money podcast. I'm your host, Shauna Game. There's no judgment, no dumb questions, just smart conversations about you and your money. So come on in and grab a seat. Everyone is welcome here. If you've ever wondered what is the best credit card out there, this episode is for you. We have Ian Salisbury, the money editor for Buy Side from Wall Street Journal, back on the show 
to share the best cashback credit cards, travel rewards credit cards, savings accounts, mortgage lenders, and more in this episode. We're going to break down all the details about why you might choose one credit card over the next and tips to make the mortgage process so much easier. We'll also chat about the biggest money trends this year, like student loans and home prices, and what Ian thinks 2024 is going to look like in terms of your money. Specifically, the question we all want to know is whether gas and grocery prices are finally going to come down to a reasonable amount. All right, let's start talking. We're going to talk about a lot of trends and a lot of best of, and I think you know, just starting off, there is a dizzying amount of topics and news when it comes to money. And I think it's really hard for most people to figure out what do I pay attention to (laughs) and what do I let just kind of slide or what do I not stress about, right? So I thought, you know, before we jump into the best of, I I was curious what you thought some of the biggest money trends are of this year that you think have maybe been most impactful in in people's lives or or the things that people really should start paying attention to. Yeah, I mean, you know, I think probably no secret inflation, you know, is still kind of the biggest you know, the biggest trend out there. You know, and it affects all all kinds of things depending on your lifestyle, but um you know, for years I've been going to the same grocery store and at some point, you know, when I buy butter or a bag of chips, I just kind of stopped looking at the prices. I thought I knew how much they cost, and I don't. I bought a bag of chips; it was six dollars. It was like that's not yeah. That's, I mean, that's in New York wow. City, but that's not like an impulse buy. It's like so you know. I think you have to deal with a necessity, that. right? Chips are always yeah. Necessity. And everybody goes to the grocery store. You know, most people go to the gas station. Maybe gas prices are moderated a bit, but you know, if you're like someone who's looking to buy a home, you know, inflation is affecting house prices. You know, and the interest rates thrown in there. House prices have moderated a little bit, but that's only because interest rates are up. And it doesn't do you a whole lot of good if the house is cheaper, but it's more expensive to borrow the money you're going to borrow to buy it. So, you know, I think there's a lot of planning around that. And if you're a retiree and you're on a fixed income, you know, you really, you know, you kind of have to think carefully about your spending. So I still think that's sort of, even though it's, so it's right now it's 3.7%. Just to put that in context, it was as high as 10%. Last year, which was like, you know, 1970s level, you know, Richard Nixon stuff. But 3.7, the Fed's target to put that in context is 2%. So it's still about twice, you know, what it should be. And again, if you're not getting, you know, a 4% raise next year, you're going to have less money than you did before. So I think that's something everybody needs to think about. Yeah, I was recently in California and I hadn't been there in a couple of years. My parents lived there. I hadn't been there a couple of years and, and you know, got off the airplane, got in my parents' car and we went and, you know, filled up the gas tank and it was like $85 for my dad's sedan for a half a tank of gas. <laughs> and, you know, I, I've heard how high gas prices are, certainly in places like California. I'm sure New York is probably crazy too. But when you actually start seeing it, you know, and then my my money brain goes to just the compassion piece of of how that must impact people in their everyday lives. And, you know, gas, if you live in somewhere like Los Angeles, you've got to drive a car everywhere. And just how all of these little things you talked about, the six dollar bag of chips, like all of these little things just become these big stressors in people's lives. And if you're already living at a place where money is 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 tight and tough, it feels like any of these little things can just kind of push you over the edge. Yeah, it can be really frustrating. And it's, you know, and, it, and it's constant. I mean, 
I, you know, I think the only, you know, thing to do is, you know, when I was, I looked at my, I bought dinner last night for my kids. It was just like middle school tacos and it was way more than I expected. You know, I think you just got to figure out like, okay, well, you know, it was something like $40, honestly, which I'm ashamed to admit, but like, it's like, okay, well, if, 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 if I spend $10 more at the grocery store, you know, every day, you know, it's like almost $4,000 a year, but I think you have to, you know, you know, figure it that way. Cause otherwise it's just going to sneak up on your budget, you know, and that's a lot of money, but you know, hopefully, I don't know if maybe it's unmanageable for some people, but at least it, you know, it's a, uh, something you can work with and you're like, well, can I cut it down or can I find more money to kind of accommodate that? But I think you have to like, you know, I, my blood pressure rises when I see those receipts, but I think you have to like take a step back and be like, okay, what is the long-term, you know, or medium one-year impact of this for me? And, and how do I deal with that? Um, good news on gas prices. Apparently they're coming down a little bit that, you know, the, the conflict in the Middle East, you know, is sort of too early to tell what that'll do to oil prices, but apparently gas right. prices were partly so high because there's sort of some sort of refining backlog as they turned oil into gasoline and that's kind of worked its way through. So the good news is slightly lower gas prices should be on the way. I don't know. That's- well, that's something to look forward to. What about, Ian, also all of these talks about recession, no recession. I just saw an article yesterday that said, well, I guess it looks like we we won't have a recession now. I mean, was this was this all hype or is this still kind of playing out? You know, it's very hard to say. Uh, you know, I think that's one where, you know, America's, I don't want to say the smartest minds, but the most accomplished economic minds are pondering that question. You know, the Federal Reserve has interest rates quite high and people are worried that we're triggering a recession. You know, they haven't seen it yet. You know, will they see it? You know, it's 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 hard to know. The Federal Reserve would like to sort of land the plane nicely. They have this term soft landing where they get conflation under control without sparking recession. But in the past, getting inflation under control has meant sparking a recession. So, you know, it hasn't shown up. But then again, you know, the government was spending all this money, people were spending all this money, and inflation didn't show up, and everybody was like, and eh, these economists are warning about this, this is crazy. And then it showed up. So, you know, you can't rule it out. But people still seem to be spending, you know, a lot. Employment seems to be low. So, so far, so good. And what do you think about interest rates? You talk about, you know, landing the plane softly. What do you think next year, like looking ahead to 2024 and and the housing market? Because, you know, I think there's a lot of people, you know, kind of sitting on the fence. Maybe they want to sell their house, but they don't really have any place they could go because everything's still so expensive or people want to get in the market and like they're just not sure. Do you have any any thoughts about, you know, what's going to happen with interest rates? Are we going to get back down to that 2%? Yeah, I mean the mortgage rates a couple of years ago, 3%, you know, that was that was remarkably low. I I wouldn't, you know, without any kind of, you know, expertise in economic forecasting, I can just say that was like historically low and I wouldn't necessarily expect that return. I certainly would hope that mortgages wouldn't be 7 or 8% you know, for the next 10 years, the way they are now. You know, I think with decisions like that, you've really just got to, you know, it's a fool's errand to try to wait a couple months to try to get, you know, a better rate. I think you got to just treat it as a life decision, deal with the economic circumstances you're confronted with, you know, and hopefully if you buy a house now, you'll have a chance to refinance at a lower rate later. But, you know, waiting to try to get a lower rate, I think you're just going to end up you know, kind of throwing good money after bad. You might get lucky, but you might not. I could tell you an answer, but nobody knows, you know, if if, you, if I knew right, I'd be, exactly. you know, a billionaire, 
forgetting on interest rates, the smartest people in America were, again, the most accomplished people in America. Who's to say whether they're really smart? They don't know. So you got to just treat it as a life decision and move forward. So let's get into some of our our best of. I want to talk a little bit about credit cards. I think, you know, love them or hate them, credit cards they can be really useful if you if you treat them like a debit card, you pay them off every month and you you get the benefits like uh, you know cards that have of cash back and travel rewards and things like that. So I want to talk about cash back credit cards because I know this is something that people are really interested in. What are some of the best like cash back credit cards that we that we should know about? Yeah, so I really like cashback credit cards because um, you know travel the credit card aficionados like travel credit cards, but they travel a lot. They're a lot more complicated. If you want the absolute best rewards, you maybe go with the travel credit card, but cash credit card is so much simpler. Um, so our favorite pick is this uh, Wells Fargo Active Cash card, and it gives you two percent cash back. I can't, it's not supposed to say on all your spending. It excludes things like casino chips because people would buy casino <laughs> really? chips. Really? Basically, so it's across your spending is the is the phrase we use. But that's pretty good. You know, I mean, 2% cash back, that can really pile up, you know, if you save it and, you know, keep it. We I like to, you know, use my cash back card and then every couple of years is sort of enough for a vacation or something. So 2% is about the kind of the going rate. And we like that card because... There are a few cards that actually offer slightly higher rates, but they tend to have like a lot of hoops to jump through, you know, or limits on how much you can earn when you spend one card. Yeah. So, you know, that is a simple card. You know, it's kind of no strings attached. You know, you don't have to be careful when you use it. So that's our pick for top cashback card. Then there's another card that I actually really like. This is the card I I personally have. And uh, it's a Capital One Saver One card. Now, I already mentioned my travails at the grocery store. <laughs> I have two little kids, so like all of my money is, goes to the grocery, goes to Key Food in Brooklyn Heights. It's just like so. That card only offers one percent cash back on like general spending, but three percent cash back Ooh. at the grocery store. Okay. Yeah. So the way the math works is basically, you know, if you more if if more than half your spending uh, your credit card spending goes to the grocery store. Then the Saver One card, you know, is a better card. If less than half, then the Wells Fargo two percent across, you know, is a better card. Now, of course, you get both. You could get both cards and use Wells Fargo for most things, and the Saver One at the grocery store is too complicated for me. But that's what you could do. So three percent back on the grocery store, uh, no limit. There's another card I think from Amex that gives you like five percent back, but the but the limit is like you know relatively low. So I love that. You know, I love that credit card. And those are those are our two sort of, you know, top cashback cards that I think, you know, again, apart from people in special circumstances, those are great for just like our general recommends. You talked about saving up your your cash back and using it towards vacation, which I think is amazing. I'm a huge proponent of that. What are some of the other ways that I mean, this may seem like an obvious question, but what are some of the other ways that people could use their their cash back or how could it benefit them? by using these cards? I mean, you know, I think, I, I don't know that there's a, a particular, I, th- I would just say like, be mindful of it. You know, I mean, I think it's, you know, use it for a goal that you don't want to be in your kind of normal budget. You know, you you have a budget with how much you spend on food and, you know, and everyone needs like kind of a treat that's outside their budget. For me, I like to, you know, use the cash back for that. The one thing, and I, what I would say don't do is, 
you know, get into this kind of mindset where you're like, oh, you know, I'm getting cash back, so I should spend more. You know, the rewards are so good. You know, and the credit cards, <laughs> yes. kind of, I don't say they try to trick you, but they, you know, you have the, a lot of them, you know, come with these great sign-up bonuses, 100,000 miles if you spend, you know, $10,000 in the first three months. You know, and the credit card obsessives will, you know, pay their taxes on their credit card or something, which doesn't really make sense, but allows them to claim that sign-up bonus. You know, they do it with a lot of discipline, but like it's a small, slippery, slippery slope from, you know, moving a little extra spending around to claim a sign up bonus to ju- like just spending more money because you think you're getting rewards. So I would stay away from that and I would use the rewards for something indulgent that you, you know, don't feel good about having in your, <laughs> in your regular budget, right? <laughs> a nice, you know, fancy pair of shoes or uh, that's that's my attitude anyways. I, I want to talk a little bit about travel rewards cards. I know you're you're a fan of the cashback cards. I, I've used travel reward cards for years. I'm not a huge traveler, but I will say I have used the points for a couple of like European vacations and you know, I use a city advantage card for American Airlines because I tend to fly American Airlines all the time. So with that, I get, you know, free bags for me and whoever's traveling with me, which is is kind of nice because I hate paying baggage fees. It's just one of my personal personal pet peeves. And so, you know, I love those cards. And I, I also love being able to use, um, I have the Chase Sapphire Preferred card. And I love being able to use my points if I'm not traveling, like during the COVID years, I exchange them for Amazon gift cards and, you know, gift cards at restaurants, things like that. So, you know, it was really a, a benefit to be able to to have those points above and beyond, you know, what they would offer travel wise. But I, I'm wondering, you know, what are some of the best if someone is an avid traveler or they're looking for a travel card, what are some of the best cards for for traveling? Yeah. So, I mean, I think, you know, at Byside, we really look to pick cards that are sort of for the the civilian, you know, the kind of general interest person who wants maybe to do some traveling, but isn't going to keep a spreadsheet of cards because there are a bazillion of them. So we really try to kind of narrow it down, you know, to ones that that are useful for, for most people. Um, and travel cards is definitely one of those ones where, you know, the, their cards are very complicated and very expensive. And if you devote a lot of time, you know, they can be, they can be lucrative for you, but we see the buy side reader is kind of a smart, sophisticated person who isn't going to make credit cards, their hobby. So for that person, our favorite travel card is the capital one venture rewards card. It comes with a $95 annual fee. So most of the travel cards, the, 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 I don't want to say the good ones, but the, the sort of, it's common for travel cards to have a fee, unlike cashback cards where they generally don't. Is there a way to get around that fee or is that pretty much like so there are some no-fee travel cards. Uh, there are a couple of ways to get around the fee. So there are some no-fee travel cards. This one is a $95 fee, but we like it because it has a lot of the benefits of the ones that have like a $500 fee. But that's a pretty big commitment, right? Um, the way to get around the, the fee, you know, is a lot of the ones that do have a big fee come with credits, you know, for this or that. And if you can use the credits, it kind of offsets the fee. So you're not necessarily spending a lot of money, but you're doing a lot of work because you have to try to claim the credits. So the Capital One Venture Rewards card comes with uh, some lounge access credits for TSA pre-check to offset that sort of $95, you know, and you earn two miles or two points per dollar spent. So you can build up, you know, some some miles and there's a pretty good sign up bonus. So it's, you know, a pretty good general card for 
you know, getting some free travel, you know, kind of on your regular, on your regular spending. But for, for, we also, you know, the, the kind of, the sort of Ferraris and Porsches of the travel card world are, you know, what people like to talk about. Um, I think you, you mentioned one. So our favorite of those kind of premium travel cards is the Amex Platinum yes. card. Uh, sorry, the Platinum card for Amex. And that has an f- annual fee of nearly hundred uh, nearly $700. But there are like a slew of credits that if you go to that store, you can use them and pile them up and kind of offset it. And I actually, I almost got this card. I, as you may have guessed, I like simplicity, but I belong to the Equinox gym and there's a $300 yes. Equinox gym. I was like, I was like, I can claim this credit. I'll pay for half the fee and I can do all these other things. And I spent like half a day thinking about it and got kind of excited. And then I was like, you know what? Too complicated. I don't want to invest this much time. Because what's interesting about this card is that it doesn't earn, it comes with a nice sign-up bonus. A lot of the premium cards don't earn that much on your spending compared to what you would think for what they cost. I think they're for people who travel a ton that like want lounge access, the lounge access is like something, you know, frequent travelers, perhaps you like really care about and, you know, it's really valuable to them. And, and I can totally see why. But they, I think they're more for, you know, smoothing your ride when you travel, you know, as opposed to offering high rewards rates on spending, which I thought was kind of interesting. I, I, I realized as I learned more and more about these credit cards. Okay, friend, I want to know, what are your money goals this year? Are you saving to buy a house or maybe a wedding or a dream vacation to somewhere tropical? If that's you, please, please take me with you. Or maybe you want to just grow your emergency fund because let's be real, life is expensive. I want to make sure you reach your goals. So you need Monarch. That's why the Wall Street Journal named it the best app for growing your savings. Monarch is the top-rated all-in-one personal finance app. It gives you a comprehensive view of all your accounts, investments, transactions, and more. You can create custom budgets, track progress towards your financial goals, and collaborate with your partner. And now, get an extended 30-day free trial when you go to monarchmoney.com etm. Here's what I love. Monarch is the most customizable budgeting app. You can change the layout of your dashboard. You can go between light and dark mode. You can create custom budgets and notifications. You can set up all of these automatic rules for your transactions and notifications and so much more. Monarch is obsessed with constantly improving their product. Get this. They release updates every two weeks and they even allow customers to submit suggestions, vote on requested features and view the product roadmap. This, my friend, is totally original. Plus, they will never sell your data to third party or show you ads. I think that's really important. After trying out Monarch for myself, I understand why it is the top rated personal finance app. And now listeners of this show get an extended 30-day free trial when you go to monarchmoney.com slash etm. That's M-O-N-A-R-C-H-M-O-N-E-Y dot com slash etm for your extended 30-day free trial. The weather is getting warmer. I'm so excited. And it is time to say goodbye to all those jackets and sweaters and hello to the shorts and t-shirts. I wanted to update my summer workout wardrobe for the long haul without, you know, spending a fortune. Luckily, I found Quince and I am in love. 
Quince is your go-to place from everything from premium European linen dresses, blouses and shorts from $30, washable silk tops, timeless, 14 karat gold jewelry, and so much more. The best part of all, all Quince items are priced 50 to 80% less than similar brands. By partnering directly with top factories, Quince cuts out the cost of the middleman and passes those savings on to you. And Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing practices and premium fabrics and finishes. I love that. Okay, I bought the dreamiest pair of workout leggings and a bright pink workout top to match. Honestly, ladies, I gotta tell you, these leggings you need. The price cannot be beat, and I feel like a million bucks wearing this cozy workout friendly outfit. I've worn it for like five days straight. Get warm weather ready with Quince. Go to quince.com slash etm for free shipping on your order and 365 day returns. That's q-u-i-n-c-e dot com slash etm to get free shipping and 365 day returns. Quince.com slash etm. When it comes to financial advice, you got to trust the source. It's why you listen to this podcast. When I'm looking to upgrade my wallet, I turn to NerdWallet. Their expert team of nerds dives into the details to help you find smarter financial products. Before NerdWallet, I was paying for vacations all wrong. (laughs) I was missing out on miles. I didn't even know I was leaving on the table. Now I've got a new card with more miles and more upgrades. What could future you do with more travel rewards? I don't know, maybe that fancy hotel upgrade that you have always been dreaming about. Wherever you go next, make it happen with a smarter travel credit card. Don't wait to make smart financial decisions. Compare and find smarter credit cards, savings accounts, and more today at nerdwallet.com. NerdWallet, finance smarter. As with all cards, credit is subject to lender approval and terms apply. Yeah, I actually have that card. And I will say that I have not been somebody who has traditionally gone to lounges when I've traveled. And I went to my first lounge a couple of months ago. <laughs> I mean, it was pretty nice. It was, you know, I'm 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 not going to lie, right? It was a great food, free beverages. I don't drink very much at all. I wish I would have, you know, been able to enjoy a few more cocktails for it, but you know, there was areas to sit and work and like plenty of phone chargers and printers if you needed to, you know, work on the computer and just comfy seats. And I mean, it was, it was a pretty nice experience, you know, I'm not going to lie, but, but definitely, you know, I think what you're saying is great is knowing yourself too, and knowing your, your spending habits and, and, you know, do you travel? Do you not travel? Like you said, you go, you go to the grocery store a lot, you know, because you have, you have two kids. And so like really understanding your spending patterns and finding the card that's going to fit really well with those, I think is is really important and probably something we don't do a lot of because we just hear, oh, somebody has XYZ card, I, I need to get that card, but not really understanding like, could that card actually benefit me in my life? Yeah, no, no, I agree. I think if you're someone who you know, likes to take a couple of vacations a year. You know, I would go for the $95 one, which comes with two or three lounge visits, frankly. You know, if you're someone who travels all the time for work and you don't want to get stuck in Tucson for, you're going to get stuck, you know, you're going to get stuck in Tucson for six hours at some point. And like, you want to make your, you know, then then paying $700 for lounge access everywhere you go probably makes a lot of sense. Yeah, but it's not as simple as I want the nice thing. So I'm going to get, I mean, you know, 
Let's talk a little bit about savings accounts because I actually get asked this question a lot, you know, savings accounts and bank accounts. And I think people still don't understand or, or really know how to figure out what is the the right one for them. I'm a big fan of high yield, high yield savings accounts. I talk about them all the time. I talk about especially being in a higher interest environment that we're in now, you're going to earn more interest for your savings than you are over your just kind of standard savings account. But of course, there's a million different varieties of savings accounts. And, you know, you can certainly find something that that matches your needs. But, you know, you have your finger on on the pulse. What are some of the trends uh, that we're seeing, you know, with, with savings accounts? Yeah. So our colleagues in the Wall Street Journal newsroom just had a big story about how America's largest banks posted like huge blowout earnings quarter. And it made me so mad because, you know, the reason they earn so much money is that they're lending everybody money at huge interest rates on credit cards and mortgages and paying like bupkis when it comes to savings accounts. So they're lending us money at a big rate and paying us very little when we borrow from that. So you've got to move your money to a savings account that pays, you know, four or five percent or a money market fund. There are a bunch of other options. But don't earn 0% or 2% on your savings account. You're just making America's bankers that much richer than they already are. <laughs> and they don't um, need any more money. Exactly. So, you know, you know, there is kind of a, a spectrum. You know, if you go to the, the reason the, those banks do provide a service, which is they have a branch on every quarter, you know, every corner. You know, at the other end of the spectrum are these sort of brand new online banks that pay, you know, the highest interest rates. But, you know, where you can't talk to anyone. So, again, I, you know, at BuySide, we like to offer, you know, readers something that, you know, gives them a, a great interest rate, um, but they're probably not going to do like a bunch of, you know, sort of research on their own. So you know, our, our favorite, both the bank that has both our favorite savings account and checking account is Capital One, actually. Really? Um, yeah, it just kind of worked out that way. And I think it's because, you know, they're a big national brand, like, Everybody probably knows them. You've probably seen their TV ads. Um, they have like 300 branches. Now, the biggest banks have, you know, thousands of branches. So you may or may not live near a Capital One branch, but you can use, if you have a checking account, you can use their ATM. Uh, they have belong to a huge ATM network. So they're in CVSs and Walgreens and stuff. And they tend to have very few fees. Um, their savings account, I think, pays like 4% right now. Now, if you want to do a little legwork and go with a company you've never heard of, you can get 5%. And there's certainly no reason not to do that. But, you know, again, at BuySide, we try to like get you a, a, a really good rate that will also make your life really simple. And right now, I you know, I think that's Capital One. If you want the best possible rate, you know, you can look online. We have a publish a story every month, you know, the best savings rates, and you can find what online bank this month you know, has the, the best rate, and that's going to be like 5% a bit more, you know, and that's a certainly way to do it. But the rates change every month so that you might be, you know, switching. I, Ch- I don't want to switch yeah. my savings account every month to get an extra 1%. <laughs> um, so I'd rather go with a bank that, you know, is, is going to be pretty good all the time and has great customer service, easy to use, no hidden fees, hate those hidden fees. So, so that's the way we approach it. There are different approaches. But. How do you how do you guys vet out these? You know, everything we're talking about: credit cards and savings accounts and uh, mortgage lenders. Like, do you just you know constantly research these companies and and look? You know, probably the fine print that nobody else 
really has time to read or pay attention to? Yeah. I mean, we make a big spreadsheet, you know, with all the terms, you know, and line them up, you know, with banks, it's a little easy because, you know, it's, it's, if assuming it's FDIC insured, you know, you don't have to, you know, that, 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 you know, you don't have to worry about like actually losing your money, you know, assuming you come up with a limit. So um, even new banks that you've never heard of, if they're FDIC insured, you, I think you can feel pretty safe about that. But yeah, we make a big spreadsheet with, you know, all of the key terms, read the fine print, figure out, you know, oh, this bank looks really good, but there's a reason their interest rate's a percentage point higher. They have this secret hidden fee you have to be aware of, you know, and, and, and we do that, you know, we try to, you know, kind of keep that going. We update it. And then sort of, you know, once a year, give everything kind of a big refresh. So we're doing that right now for our banking ratings and with credit cards. It's sort of an ongoing thing. But yeah, no, I mean, there's no, you know, our, our colleagues in the buy side consumer goods product, they actually bought, well, they order in like 10 TVs and try them, plug them in. Try them out. <laughs> we can't do that because it's a little bit more abstract, but we definitely do, you know, compare the terms in, in like a you know, a very systematic way. And actually with mortgage lenders, I'm particularly proud of because a a ton of sites rank mortgage lenders. But, you know, the key thing with your mortgage, you want a smooth process and that I wouldn't discount that, but the interest rate is really, you know, okay. You know, a half a point, getting a half a point lower mortgage, you know, over the course of a 30-year loan is going to save you like tens of thousands of dollars. It's a huge deal to get, you know, a good mortgage rate. Um, Now, again, you might refinance, you know, but it's very hard because, you know, unlike a bank account where, you know, Citibank offers every depositor the same savings account, you know, with mortgages, you know, you and I would probably get totally different rates. You know, even if we had the same credit score, I'm sure we both have excellent credit scores. Um, you know, we live in different parts of the country, different houses. So it's very hard to judge mortgage lenders on rates. Um, so our reporter actually bit apart, uh, went to the um, Consumer Finance Protection Bureau where mortgages because of the financial crisis, have to report every more every single mortgage they issue in the United States and some details wow, about I it. Wow, I didn't know that. Including the rate, and um, got a huge file with hundreds of thousands of sales in it, and did a lot of research to sort of figure out which mortgage lenders kind of have which rates. Because we thought that was really important to go the extra mile. So sorry that I couldn't resist giving a little shout out to Buysides Mortgage Ranking, which I really think you know it kind of went above and beyond what you know, what you'll normally find. I'm going to be real with you. Identity theft is on the rise and you do not want to wake up one morning and discover that your bank account has been emptied or you're overdue on credit cards you never even applied for. We talk about this often on the podcast, but you don't realize how much of your information is available to scammers on the internet and how susceptible you and your family are to identity theft and fraud. I know, it's scary, but now you can get your data removed with Delete Me. That's why I personally choose Delete Me. Delete Me is a subscription service that removes your personal information from the largest people search databases on the web, and in the process helps prevent potential ID theft, doxing, and phishing scams. I just started using Delete Me and I got my regular personalized privacy report. <laughs> I was shocked what they found and removed. It was pages of information about me that I did not want online. Here's how it works. You sign up and provide Delete Me with exactly what information you want deleted, and their experts take it from there. I cannot tell you how relieved I felt to have Delete Me. And you know, it's also a great service for your parents or grandparents 
to help protect them from identity theft. Delete Me is not just a one-time service. Delete Me is always working for you, constantly monitoring and removing the personal information you do not want on the internet. Take control of your data and keep your private life private by signing up for Delete Me, now at a special price for my listeners. Today, get 20% off your Delete Me plan when you go to joindeleteme.com slash etm and use promo code etm at checkout. The only way you get 20% off is to go to joindeleteme.com slash etm and enter code etm at checkout. J-O-I-N-D-E-L-E-T-E-M-E dot com slash etm. Go to joindeleteme.com slash etm and use code etm for 20% off. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Talking about money is hard. You know this already. All over the world, people are taught to never talk about money, politics, sex, or religion in polite company. On 50 Fires, a podcast about money and meeting from executive producers Chip and Joanna Gaines, host and financial conversationalist Carl Richards will remove money from that list by having frank, funny, and often difficult conversations about money, the kind we're all told not to have with guests from all walks of life. In each episode, Carl will invite a new guest to answer the question, what does money mean to you? Their answers will reveal much more than their attitudes about money, spanning revelations about identity, community, faith, family, and the true meaning of wealth. Tune in to hear deep conversations about money and the meaning it holds in our lives. You can find 50 Fires on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you listen to your podcasts. Yeah, tell me. So I want I want to hear about some of the some of your picks, but you know, you mentioned like two people could have the same credit score but have totally different mortgage rates. What are what are the things that that influence that that difference? Yeah, you know, I mean, I think the type of house, you know, or apartment that you live in, you know, and the mortgage rates fluctuate. You know, credit card companies maybe turn change their terms. Well, it depends if things are moving. If once a month, maybe they'd change the interest rate. I mean, the mortgage rates change like literally every day. So you could call one day, call two days later and get a different rate. You know, if you, some mortgage lenders, you know, specialize in apartments, others might be kind of uncomfortable lending to those. I live in New York City and they have this weird thing called a co-op, which is where you don't actually own your apartment. Yeah, I've never understood that. <laughs> so, you know, I couldn't, I didn't get to go with my first choice mortgage lender because they were just like, no, just, what are these crazy New York City people doing? You know, so they're just like 100,000 factors because every house is different, right? How much you put down on your down payment is a huge factor. Um, you know, if you put more than 20%, 20% is kind of like the the standard, but a lot of people, especially these days, it's really hard for first-time home buyers. So there's, it's an individual price, you know, like maybe like buying a car or something. Interesting. Okay. So who are who are some of the, the top picks for mortgage lenders? Yeah. So the one we picked is actually, it's not like uh, a huge surprise. This company Rocket Mortgage, which is one of the biggest mortgage lenders, you know, in the country. And they were kind of a pioneer towards moving mortgages kind of online. 
you know, if anyone who's bought a home knows you like every piece of financial information you've ever generated, you have to hand over to the mortgage lender. And until pretty recently, when I was doing it five years ago, you know, it was still like faxing stuff to crazy documents. Maybe it wasn't faxing, but it was not like, (laughs) and Rocket Mortgage really got a huge market share in the country by figuring out how to just basically you give them some pretty key information like social security number and they like suck it all up directly. So it really, they streamlined the process a lot, but they were kind of known as someone who had great customer service, but maybe wasn't that competitive on price. Uh, Or at least that's what mortgage brokers were saying. Maybe they would just say that because they didn't want Rocket Mortgage to steal their business. When we looked at the prices, we found Rocket Mortgage wasn't like the best price around, but it was like second or third. They offered really good prices too. So they were our winner. I would definitely recommend, you know, checking them out. You know, if you get a mortgage, you should get two or three quotes, you know, and not just research two or three companies, but get actually two or three quotes. Because again, the quotes are different. They're, you know, they vary a lot. Again, one mortgage lender might, you know, want to lend money to people with four bedroom houses that day. Other, another mortgage lender might specialize in apartments. Like you really got to get two or three quotes. So I would at least get a quote from, you know, one of the big ones like Rocket Mortgage. Um, I still think their technology is great and I would check it out. And then, you know, we have another pick too. You know, if you're a first time home buyer, you've got a whole bunch of, you know, other set of problems. Um, we really liked Loan Depot. They, were, they had a little okay. bit lower, you know, the credit score range was a little bit wider. You know, they had some programs that that catered to first time home buyers. So I would check them out, um, you know, if you're if you're buying a house for the first time. Yeah, I think the, the the technology factor. I bought my first home many many years ago when all you dealt was with papers and papers and papers, like just what you were saying. I mean, it was it was crazy the amount of papers involved in in the process. And I'm so thrilled that people like Rocket Mortgage have come along. And yeah, it's it's so much easier. It's cleaner. It's it just feels like a you know modern day process the way the way I think it should, and I think that's important specifically when you're buying your first house because it is such a emotion filled process. There's just a lot of numbers <laughs> flying all over the place, and I think it can feel feel really scary. So having a process that feels manageable, I think, is is really worth it. And they're huge numbers too, right? Like if you're used to, it's like all of a sudden you're t- everything is tens of thousands of dollars. You're like, oh my gosh. No, I, I, it's good too. You know, I do this for a living. And when I first bought my first, I still, I was kind of intimidated by getting mortgage quotes. Like it's kind of, you don't really, you know, you're not an expert in it. You're handing over all this information. The loan officer, you know, wants your business. So they're, you know, can be a little bit fast talking. I thought that was great, you know, get an online quote to start because, you know, even if you go with a local lender like I did, because they would, you know, you know, because of the co-op issue, you know, I think it's a great way to kind of like build your confidence, learn the process, you know, so that you become, you have to kind of bite the bullet and do it two or three times and doing it online first, even if you don't end up, you know, going with an online lender, it can be a great way to kind of dip your toe into it you know, make it a little more comfortable because it is intimidating. And there is this huge stack of papers, <laughs> you know, that you have to deal with. <laughs> yeah. I guess that's at the closing, but it's it's kind of a crazy process. 
the whole process just feels completely out of control. And anybody listening who's been through it. It's one of those things where like, it can't possibly yeah. work this way, but it does. And you <laughs> exactly. just have to do it. Well, I know you cover a lot of other juicy topics over there at the by side of Wall Street Journal. I'm wondering, you know, are there, are there any other topics really that are on people's minds or people are asking questions about? You know, I, you know, it's, it's interesting. I'm the, the, uh, so there is one, the student loan thing has blown over a little bit. You know, I think you don't yes. hold out. I mean, maybe you'll get some student loans forgiven, but I wouldn't hold out. There was one kind of small win for student borrowers we saw recently, which is, um, so if you, you know, if you, if you just graduate, you kind of, and you, and you, and you're burdened by student loans, you want to devote like every penny you can to paying them off. But people like us in the personal finance industry have long said, okay, you got to contribute to your 401k and at least contribute enough to get the match. Cause that's, otherwise you're just leaving money on the table. So people, you know, who've been stressed about their student loans have not always got the match. So there's a new rule change uh, from the federal government, where if you pay your student loans, that money can count towards the match. Your employer can still give you your 401k match, even though you're not contributing to your 401k, you're putting money in your student loans. And, uh, you know, it's go- I, employers aren't required to do it, but I think a lot of them will. Uh, my employer has. We were very pleased when we saw the memo. So, you know, I think that's kind of like a, you know, a nice thing to make people who disappointed they didn't get their student loans forgiven, feel a little bit better, a little bit better about the situation and maybe get a leg up on their next, you know, big financial project, which is saving for retirement. Yeah. Hopefully when they start to see their retirement balance, keep, keep growing the retirement account, you feel, you feel a little bit better because I know there was a, there was just a lot of pushback. Yeah. I think people are just, you know, really, you know, there were a couple of years where a lot of people didn't make student loan payments and, you know, really hoping there was going to be some sort of forgiveness. And then, you know, to to kind of have the like womp womp where, you know, you, you've got to now make your make your payments again and you're kind of back in that situation. It's, you know, I think a lot of people are fill in the blank with whatever word, you know, very, very frustrated at, at the, at the uh, situation. So I, I love to see that employers are stepping up and and at least trying to, you know, help people out because, you know, balancing both of those things, saving for retirement, paying off your student loans can be tricky. You don't know which to do oftentimes. Yeah, it's really tough. Thanks so much for checking out this episode. If you haven't done so already, I'd really appreciate it if you just head right over to the link in the show notes and leave us a rating and review on Apple Podcasts. I always love having Ian on the show. Not only is he fun to chat with, but I love hearing the best of lists. And especially my heart goes out to high yield savings accounts that we talked about. It is just a win-win. If you don't have a high yield savings account, definitely go check out Ian's pick for that and take a look. I really think there is not a single downside to having a high yield savings account. If you want to learn more best ofs for the year, you can go to Buy Side from Wall Street Journal. That's wsj.com slash buy side. The link will be right in the show notes. And be sure to sign up for their newsletter. It goes out weekly and it has a bunch of personal finance and consumer good tips and best of and all the stuff that you want to hear. If you enjoyed this episode, share it with someone right now so they can be in the know of all the best of. And I'll see you right back here, my friend, in a few days for a brand new episode. Music.